Hi, I'm Valentina Coco. I'm Daniel Herrera. I'm Jeroen Frimont. And you're entering our uh, world well good. good. Well, hello. My name's Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light into the darkness to prove there is plenty of good still going on. You can do your part to spread the good by sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Any of those things are great on whatever platform you are listening to us right now. And hey, while you're at it, why not follow us on social media? You love social media. We are at World Gone Good Podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, we are at World Gone Good 1. That's at World Gone Good with the number 1 at the end. There is so much good out there. Why not help us spread it around? Okay, so if you have listened to the previous two episodes of our brand new season, you know that we are not just talking good, we are going one step further, and we are taking good action. We are talking the good talk, we are walking the good walk. So far, we have tackled how to be a better person with Kate Hanley. And The Good of Composting with my pal Michelle Yan. You can check out those episodes as well as a full year of good ones that we previously had right where you are listening to us now. Just search the episode guide or look at your previous episodes and there they'll be. So here's today's question. What is your purpose? Have you ever thought about why you're here, why I'm here? How do you define yourself? For some, these are easy to answer questions like, I am a husband, I am a wife, I am a parent, this is my job, these are my responsibilities. I'm not making light of any of those things, it's just how a lot of people define ourselves, right? But in what way is that your, my, or even our purpose? That's what we're going to explore today, and to do that, we're going to have to go international. Jeroen Faroe is from the Netherlands. Valentino Coco is from Switzerland, and Daniel Herrera is from Mexico. And together, along with a few others, they make up the team, the organization known as Project 100. What is Project 100? Well, let us find out together. It's time to get our good purpose on. So I am here with some of the team from Project 100 which is a volunteer initiative that aims to help others find their bigger purpose, share their stories, connect with others, and help us pick a direction towards a more fulfilled life. That's a lot to be doing, but more interesting, you people are, we're from all, we're international, we're all over the world. So here's where we're going to start. Valentina, we're going to go around. Valentina, you're up first. Who are you and where are you from in the world? So I'm Valentina Coco, as uh, I just said. I am originally Italian, um, but I'm living currently in, in Switzerland. And uh, that's actually where I was when I got connected through a global initiative uh, to both Daniel and uh, Jeroen. Jeroen, you're up. Yeah, my name is Jeroen. I'm located in Eindhoven, the Netherlands, uh, born and raised in the Netherlands, studied in the Netherlands and always worked in and from the Netherlands, but always considered the world as my business canvas. And uh, in that world of business canvas, uh, I started to work remotely uh, and collaboratively with people like, uh, for instance, Daniel and Valentina, and we found each other in the cloud. And here we are, Project 100. 
Daniel, your turn. Where are you from and, and how do we know you? Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So, hi, I'm Daniel Herrera, like I said, uh, based in Mexico City, born and raised. Uh, and yeah, I, I have been working with people all around the world. And fortunately enough, uh, a couple of people wanted to do this same thing of helping others find their purpose. And we have uh, building this team uh, since then, almost two years now. I'm really happy to be doing this. So who of the three is responsible for starting this project? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Jerome uh, and I, and also Sandy Lamb, uh, which is not here right now. But but yeah, she's actually uh, another very international person. Uh, she's, uh, she's born in Hong Kong. Then she's Canadian and living in Germany. Uh, and yeah, the three of us started this. Uh, Valentina joined us, like, I think three or four months after. So we started doing these conversations with uh, some people and we were trying to ask them, hey, can you uh, volunteer to this initiative? And, and Valentina was the first one to raise her hand and said, yeah, I'm totally driven by this. And, and so the, uh, a, quick, a few moments later, she joined and she has been actually a, a very useful and, and helpful uh, team member to help us grow and reach our first goals. Yaron, where did the name come from? from uh, lengthy discussions, but ultimately it boiled down to the target that we had set ourselves. Um, when we started the project and did some experiments, we came to an, uh, an ambitious goal of helping 100 people within 12 months to discover their purpose. And uh, that was called Project 100. So 100 stands for 100 people having discovered their uh, purpose within 12 months' time. And where's the inspiration come from for this? I think what, what Daniel was touching upon already is that uh, with, with a small team of people, we actually participated all in a total other initiative uh, during, uh, the, uh, I think it was prior to the pandemic already, it was called the Global Virtual Design Sprint. And we were all part of a team that was exploring uh, the concept of purpose-driven employment. And the challenge that we set ourselves there is let's explore the whole concept of uh, employer, uh, purpose-driven employers looking for purpose-driven uh, professionals and how can we help the employer to find the right candidates. Well, that project in itself came up with an idea and a concept. Let's not go into that. But we felt as, an, uh, as a team at that moment, and there were more than three people involved in that, that we wanted to continue that conversation. And uh, from continuing that conversation and finding the motivation to invest our own time in that as well, with no real prejudice and any expectations set, uh, it was Sandy, uh, Daniel, and myself that kick-started that conversation, I think, in January 2020, if I say it correctly, almost as the next phase. And uh, later that year, we had some more people onboarding in this whole initiative uh, based on, what, let's say, what you, uh, what you are seeing now. Daniel? Yeah, yeah. I was going to add that, uh, yeah, we were uh, doing this uh, experiment, like uh, Jerome was telling about, about purpose-driven employment, but we actually found really good results from the people inside the team, and that's what inspired us to keep going and look for the ne next steps. Uh, and yeah, rather than helping companies uh, finding the purpose match or yeah, purpose employee match, we were trying to help people really focus on, on their bigger purpose. And that's when we found uh, uh, a lot of information and tools and techniques for, for doing that. 
and yeah, we were having these conversations with people, and then we suddenly found out a, a process or a, a yeah a way of leading the conversation that really helped us understand how we can be a, a good help for others to find their purpose. So there's a philanthropic angle to this, Valentina. Yes. Yes. Um, for me, it was uh, let's say a slightly different experience. I. I was not part of that uh, session or let's say that season of the of the Global Virtual Design Sprint. I had done it uh, two or three times before um, with Jeroen and Sandy and others, uh, but that specific one I skipped. Um, and at the beginning of the pandemic and at uh, the end of the year before, actually, uh, I was having some sort of work purpose related crisis of my own, um, not reconciling what I was doing career-wise with what I enjoyed to do, with my values, with what I wanted to do. And I attended uh, the beginning of the pandemic, uh, one of these uh, group sessions um, organized by, by Simon Sinek. I had read the book about purpose. I had read, I had the book to uh, find your why and everything. I attended the session and it really had a huge impact on me uh, to the point that I quit my job and uh, decided to do something else that was more in line. Um, As I guess many people during the pandemic time, kind of reevaluating how you spend the time. And the impact was so big um, in a way that when I found out that the team that I knew from before and I trusted um, was doing this with this philanthropic idea to help a hundred other people um, discover their purpose, especially doing it for free while, let's say, some other alternative were more on the expensive side. I uh, decided to learn as much as I could about the process and and help as many people as I could. Um, hopefully, they would have as much of a revelation as I had. And again, didn't want to uh, drive anybody to leave their jobs, but at least to find uh, a new motivation or rediscover some inner motivation um, and some something to center them during the, the chaos that was 2020. So that was my reason for joining. Yaron, um, when we meet people here in the United States for the first time and we say, hi, how are you? The third question, <laughs> second question besides hi and how are you? Hi is not a question is what do you do? Is that something that's common around the world? And why do so many people place the value of who they are so predominantly immediately on finding out what someone else does? It's a good question. And it's a bit confronting as well, because the first question I asked you uh, prior to this... Right, uh, and right back at you, right back at you before we started recording. ...was really indeed about, so what do you do for a living? And (laughs) that that is typically not my first or my second question. I I try to be much more interested in what motivates people and what what keeps them busy uh, than really what are you doing for a living? but I, I think I meant it in such a way I trying to understand what you do, what motivates you, what drives you in your daily life. That That is the question behind it for me. But your question is, is a good one. Uh, and I noticed as well that um, I think it has to do with certain geographies in the world. I don't think it's a generic thing around the world that everybody's always interested in. What is the profession that you do? 
maybe in North America, uh, let's say your personal success is depending a lot on uh, your career success. And that's why that question is so important. You can read people or people believe that you can read the success or the, the, the drive of people by what they accomplish in their professional life. Uh, there are different cultures that look at it in a total different way that say uh, it's much more important how you create impact in the world and uh, how you are actually uh, uh, harnessing the values that maybe are more important than the actions that you do. So I think there is a cultural notion in that. Uh, there's probably much more research about it than what I can explain here in the call. But the question that you ask, why are people always so intrigued or interested in the type of profession that you do and maybe from a concept, from a context, sorry, of perceived success or trying to understand how you are successful in life is an, int is an interesting phenomena that I don't have the true answer to why that is. Daniel, do you think jumping off of that, that maybe a better question could be, are you happy? Yeah, yeah. I, I... I just got <laughs> triggered by your question. I, I love that uh, that idea of changing how we present ourselves to, especially to people that we meet for the first time. Uh, and yeah, I, I certainly do think that it's better to to know if someone is happy by what they are doing or what they are accomplishing. <clears throat> Sorry. So yeah, I feel like uh, like I said, uh, we were like exploring different techniques or processes to help people out. And yeah, there's one that talks about uh, these four different phases of our life that we can be complementing uh, to each one of that of those and and be happier with what we do at the end of, of the day. But actually, I personally believe that we should be um, integrating all of those uh, phases or activities into our lives. Uh, I mean, seamlessly, seamlessly. And uh, I really like the idea of waking up thinking, hey, I'm going to do this thing that I like that is also making me profit, that it's also helping the world and it's also leading me to my next activity or my next uh, job because uh, we live in a world that it's changing constantly and we cannot uh, stick around with doing the same thing all uh, the, for many, many years like uh, it used to be. So yeah, that, that question of are you happy? Are you uh, evolving yourself while you are doing what you are doing? It's something that I, I really interested by. Valentina, what do you want to add to that? I think I used to ask, what do you do at the beginning when I started my working career? You know, it's not as prevalent in Europe as it's in uh, in North America. I lived in, in the U.S. on the West Coast actually for, for two years. And there, I think the, the main question I was always asked is, what do you do? Um, what's your job? Um, in Europe is not as prevalent. Um, I would say at least where I grew up in Italy, we never used to ask. I mean, but it was also a different context. We were students. I think at the beginning, when you start working, you don't really know what to ask. And that's an easy way to break the eyes. For me lately, in the last few years, um, I started asking a different question. I ask, what do you like to do? Because I meet people in different contexts because um, before changing a career more so than now, I was running, I think in parallel, about five to six different activities. Like I had a full-time job. I was pretty full on on a couple of sports, so I had running clubs. I was volunteering in three to four different activities. 
Um, depending where I met people, the answer to what you do was never the same. Because if I was meeting people in my role as president of a women association, I wouldn't talk about my job. And so I also not started asking something more about what do you like to do? Like, what do you want me to tell you? What do you want to tell me about yourself? Um, I think asking if people are happy about what they do in certain culture, at least in Switzerland, where people are very reserved, might be a step too much. People will recoil in horror, like I'm breaching etiquette. It's too private. <laughs> um, but um, I can see how in some more extroverted culture that would be, I think. Um, so I've settled for what do you like to do? Um, people like to talk about what they like to do. And if they love their job, they'll talk about their job. Um, if they love running, they'll talk about running. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's a bit less personal as a question. Yes. And Euron, you would go so far to say that there's a protective mode going on as well, because especially here in the United States, we have a, a celebritized, I like to call it, facade of who we want people to see who we are. And then we let certain people behind the curtain to see who we really are. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that is a factor as well. I think it's, it's kind of a safe question. What do you do? Okay, it's factual. You can answer, I'm a project manager at a large IT firm or I'm in supply chain management. There's no emotion involved in that at the moment. Uh, you can ask the next question, what do you like in your job? You can even answer that question in a very non-emotional way. So from the person asking as well as from the person responding, it's a safe conversation. Uh, which, of course, is also contributed to the fact that, uh, like I said in the beginning, and what uh, Valentino is also touching upon, that the career-related question is also something like showcasing yourself what you have achieved. So if you're successful in your work, you will talk about your work. If you're not so successful in your work, you become insecure about it, you probably will factually talk about what you do, but not how you do it or how successful you are. So it is an area where you can do that easily. That's different than, for instance, the question that Valentina prefers to ask, what do you like to do? There's a word in there that touches upon emotion, like. And that makes people think or requires people to think deeper in how they are going to answer that question. Again, you can be very neutral and, let's say, scratching the surface. But even if people talk about what they like a little bit, on the question, what do you really like to do? You can see in their face the emotion changing. So you know whether they are comfortable with the question or not comfortable with the answer that they give. Uh, so, yeah, it is uh, more, yeah, it's a more personalized approach, I think, if you take such a question like Valentina is asking. Daniel, let's go to Project 100. How do you decide who the 100 people are going to be that are going to be part of the project? In the beginning, it was like, how can we help 100 people? And, and yeah, we were, like uh, we were saying, three of us, uh, finding which were the best questions or leading or prompts to, to ask people to, to give us uh, or make, make the space for them to realize what they are really interested about and what really motivates them. Uh, so, yeah, we were starting, uh, like we said, uh, with five people, and then it, it became 15 and 20. Then Valentina joined, and she gave us a really big push with her network. And 
and we were suddenly close to the hundred. Um, so yeah, again, it, the the idea was to to give people the opportunity to find that space and and be uh, a helpful partner for them to reflect on their thoughts, their decisions about their career, again, their motivations, and and so many things that. Uh, at the end, they were really grateful of having that time uh, for themselves to, to 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 have that kind of conversation. Yeah, I think the true question or the true answer to that question is is that we didn't select people. Right. The, the people themselves select whether they feel they would like to have a conversation in their journey towards discovering their purpose. So we've had the the most surprising people knocking on our door for an appointment. Uh, of course, there were people in the network of uh, Valentina, for instance, that knew her or indirectly knew her and were tempted uh, based on that, on what was happening. Uh, but in general, we don't select. Everybody's welcome. Any background, any geography, any age, there is no differentiation or segmentation as such. There are no criteria. Uh, yeah, the only criteria is you need to be willing to invest your own time in discovering your own purpose. Valentina, this is a a, a very American thing, which is what <laughs> what defines a success story or a successful journey for somebody through Project One Hundred? Is there a algorithm or a predetermined this, yes, you've reached your goal, you are a success now, or is it more of a journey that that's the success of going on the journey? I think we define as a group our, I would say, success based on our targets. I mean, originally we said we want to touch 100 people. Now, it's not that if we would have hit 80, we would have said we are a failure. <laughs> um, it's more like we need a goal to strive towards, an ambition to grow, something to drive us. Otherwise, not, not, not as much as to drive success, but mostly because otherwise there's too many things that we could do. You know, especially in the second year, uh, we had to focus on what are we going to do? More countries, more chapters, more languages, more social media. We, we didn't, you know, you have to choose what aspect you're going to focus. I think. Personally, as a group, as long as we are aligned on which values we're going to go after and, and what are we going to do next, we are not really after any main timeline um, or anything like that. Personally, for me, a success is when the person that I am having a discovery call with gets some insights about themselves. You know, I've had calls where people left um, really energized, having discovered their purpose and things that totally made sense and eye-opening and everything. And there were calls where many people already knew a lot about themselves, but there was a little bit of different light or different angle or different perspective. And so those for me count as a success. And even those where maybe we didn't get to have a, an in-depth conversation are also a good learning point on honing my skills on, on how to ask better questions. Um, so for me, as long as we are impacting positively people with what we are doing, we're successful. 
Do you think that people need someone to tell them it's okay, whatever their dream or wish or belief or true purposes? Do you think we need, as humans, a sounding board to just, almost like we're kids again, say, yes, you can do that? Uh, I think there are people in this world that need that regular confirmation on the, the, the actions that they take or the decisions that they make, uh, that they are the right ones. Purely to have that peer confirmation out of your context, out of your environment, that you're doing the right thing as you formulated it. I think that's true. There are these people. There are also people that don't need that. They're so convinced about themselves that they can make those conclusions themselves. They have their own uh, concepts in mind, what drives them in life. Uh, They can validate whether the actions and and the behaviors of others around them is actually in a positive way uh, impacting uh, their journey. Uh, as well Um, and I think there's a group in the middle um, that's hesitant that uh, is unsure about what's next and then sometimes a conversation with uh, a second person whether that is your best friend whether that's your life partner uh, whether that's a coach or whether it is us uh, can create a moment of reflection uh, as such the interesting thing that I always experience in our uh, projects and definitely in the conversations that I'm having is I don't know the people that are sitting on the other side of the line. We're having Zoom calls with people. Uh, all of them, I think with the exception of one, I've never met before. Uh, I don't do an intake. I go straight into those calls. So we are totally unknown to them and they are totally unknown to us. And for whatever reason, that builds trust much faster in that conversation than I think that if you would sit in front of a friend, a brother, a sister, a parent, a life partner, because then you have all the emotional load in that relationship already, positive or negatively, that may uh, stop you from sharing uh, uh, some of the stories that we actually are able to unlock with different people. The pandemic obviously had a huge effect on how we looked at the world and how we spend time with ourselves. How does that affect and did that affect a lot of people's decision-making processes in how they treat themselves and how they treat the life they want to have? Oh, yeah. I believe so, 100%. I mean, it impacted mine. I've been on i think i think i can admit it here openly on a workaholic path for the prior 17 years i mean i had two burnouts and i was still on the same track and it took the pandemic to realize that i was volunteering in literally seven to eight activities at the same time because those were fulfilling my purpose and my day job wasn't. And it made me rethink where was I spending my time? What was important? Which values was I willing to compromise? Um, and which not? And potentially push me to a decision to, to quit the job without a safety net that were it not for the pandemic, I wouldn't have done it. Um, I always would have waited because 
there are other ways to do things and you're not confronted with that much of a choice to make family or work or other things, right? Especially the first uh, six to nine months with quarantine were really hard. And I think this is what's been driving, what is it now, how it's been called, the great escape, the great defection or something like that, where not just the newer generations, um, as it's known to be, but also people like me, which are what are we called? Elderly millennial, I believe. That's the term. <laughs> um, have decided to just say enough. And uh, where am I spending my time? And what am I doing? And it's not about saying it's not about the money because some you can be very successful and say it is also about the money, but it's primarily about am I spending the majority of my time doing things that I can be proud of that make me proud of myself or not. And if the nine to five job and whatever it is gives you that peace and makes you proud of yourself so you can focus on family, that's amazing. That's your purpose that works for you. But for many people, it wasn't. And we have seen it now that somehow the the world was upside down and people just either were forced to decide or had enough and ended up deciding. This is a question for all of you. So anyone who wants to jump in, jump in. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Um, yeah, when I was a kid, uh, uh, I mean, professionally, I was thinking of different fields. Uh, many of them were about engineering. I actually studied engineering. But but uh, after gr- I graduated, I, I realized that it was all those different professions that I was thinking about as a kid, I all were related to being creative, right? To being a creative problem solver. That's what I call myself today. Uh, so yeah, that, that answers the question. I'm going to answer exactly the same answer as in another podcast that I was, was a guest in a couple of months ago. I had no fucking clue then and I have no fucking clue now. <laughs> That's honest and I love it. Valentina, did you have something as a child, like when you were growing up that you you were like, I'm going to be this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I decided at five, I was going to be an engineer. Wow. And uh, my dad was an engineer, I guess that's why. But I decided at five, I said, I'm going to be an engineer. And actually in Italian, uh, you change the ending of the word, right? To differentiate male or female so i i basically was saying the equivalent i'm gonna be a lady engineer um, so um i study engineering and that's where i started my career and then financial crisis uh, 2008 hit and my career took a complete different path and now i'm actually doing something completely different uh in in a completely different area in terms of, you know, leadership and and supporting organization, but still taking a, I guess, an engineering approach to to the to the areas. So I found a way to merge my my different interests uh, to what I always wanted to be. But uh, yeah, for many years, I I almost felt like I couldn't change career because that's what I was gonna be. And I said, wow, not because you're a woman saying you want to be an engineer. Please know that. My father said to me before college, I had no, I had no interest, not interest. I just didn't know. And he told me, go one year, go to school for one year. 
you'll meet people, you'll see what things are happening. And if you want to come back and be a taxi cab driver, you come back, be a taxi cab driver. As long as you promise me, you are going to be the best taxi cab driver you can be. And that's really what stuck with me for my whole life is whatever project I'm doing is to be happy and the best in myself at it. Maybe not the best at the job, but just the best version of myself and feeling that way. Daniel, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, I was going just going to add that as a side note. Actually, Jerome is also an engineer, and and I found myself very funny because um, I, I, like I said, when I graduated, I was surrounded a lot of engineers that were focused or very focused into research and a lot of things that were not that really interesting for me. And then I started my own process and journey to rediscover my purpose and many other things. Uh, and and then I, I fit into this group of people that are also interested in helping others find their purpose. And funny enough, many of them are engineers. So yeah, that, that idea of what your study is, what you're supposed to be doing, uh, yeah, it's not really true. And I, I'm really happy to have found uh, this wonderful group of people and, and really have a common interest in this. And, and yeah, and just keep going through, through that path. For anyone who's listening, can you clarify you're not a life coach. Your group is not a life coaches. You're not life coaches. You're not therapists. You're not um, trainers. What what would you call yourself? Discovery entrepreneurial specialists? What what would you call yourselves? Well, I would not say we are specialists because that's not for us to claim, but we call ourselves discovery partners. So we we play a role at the very early beginning of your journey. So we're not there to help you identify problems. Uh, We're there to help you to discover a little bit more about yourself. And only as the first step, probably in a longer journey that you are embarking on as an individual that desires to either better understand him or herself, Uh, the decisions that he or she has been making in the past or wants to make in the future, uh, wants to feel more fulfillment in life, and that includes work. For me, life is the all-encompassing time that you spend here on Earth, whether that is on social activities, family activities, uh, or work professional-related activities. So we are only there to help you as an individual to make the very first step of a little bit better understanding yourself. And that's where Project 100 stops. That's also where we as discovery partners in general stop. We're not there to help you in the next step, to say, now you've discovered your purpose, and now you have to make decisions. Let me help you to make those decisions. Or uh, you were talking about changing your job. Now you've discovered your purpose. Let me help you to find the best job. That's not in general what we do. Although I have to say that all of us, one way or the other, have uh, other roles in our professional life and personal life, either as a leadership coach or uh, uh, or a general uh, career coach, or I'm doing also recruitment uh, in my my profession. Uh, Sandy, for instance, is leading a team of highly talented uh, design professionals in a large multinational. So leading a team and helping them to perform with better insights on what motivates them is also a way of giving support in the next step. Uh, Daniel is working with people around him that are also looking for 
confidence and he's helping them not only as an engineer but also really being that life engineer almost and engaging with them but in general project 100 stops where the discovery has been ignited with the individual and as long as we're on that topic someone goes to project100.com and they scroll down to select one of you and they just put in a note to you and then you contact them? How does it work? Tell us. I can jump on in on this one. Um, yeah, so they they see our profile, um, a bit about us as well, our languages, because, you know, some there is a general, sometimes, sometimes not everybody actually, but some people prefer to do it in their native language, right? Have the discovery session. So you can see that about us. And then I believe we all have Calendly links, which are just link to our calendar and you can book yourself in for a two-hour session and we receive an invite and uh, together with that you'll get a couple of questions about yourself and then that's it you're scheduled um before we wrap this up i think simon sinek should pay me because you are my third group of guests who swear by him and his and his um books what is it about him daniel um that that reaches out and touches you speaks to you yeah thank you for that question uh well it, particularly for me was one of my like call them e-mentors <laughs> uh, and yeah uh, his book uh start with why uh, at the same time as the very first ted talk was a very good uh starting point for me to reflect uh, and like I said, on my own discovery journey that started three or four years ago. And then, uh, like I was saying, in the beginning of this project, we were trying to find that process. And yeah, when the pandemic started, uh, he and his team uh, started doing these uh, virtual sessions that actually made sense for us to replicate. Uh, we actually asked one on, on his team to if, he, if it was okay to, to use the same process, and they were okay with that. Uh, and yeah, actually, it was a really good way of us for for us to to keep helping people. And, and yeah, the the later books are also very interesting. I, I also really like the Infinite Game, uh, but that's on another uh, step of the process of of helping ourselves. But uh, but yeah, that was the first part of me uh, liking so much Simon Sinek's work. We end these shows with two questions. Don't worry, you know the answers. I'm going to ask Valentina the first question while the two gentlemen think about their answers so they get to luck out because they get a second here to think about it. Valentina, it's a really simple question. First of two, question number one is, who inspires you? Oh my God, too many people. Um, Who inspire me? Um, I, I can't I can't choose one person. I mean, I'm, I'm Is there a type of person? You, you know? Yes. Um there is. I have I have a type of person that inspires me a lot and it's strong women. Um strong women especially if they are part of a um ethnic minority. I'm a mixed racial um, a mixed ethnicity, I should say, person myself. So strong women that speak out for for what they believe in and for what is right, and also lift other women as 
they go. So, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is one, but also Timnit Jer- Jerbu, I think you pronounce it. Sorry, I'm botching some names. And um, a lot of others uh, that I follow constantly and they're open about what they are going through. I mean, Glennon Doyle being one of them, oh, so many. But again, you've got the type, right? Um, women, they are <laughs> women. They're being vocal about what they believe in, they've what they've been through, and uh, consequences be damned, they're just uh, gonna speak up. Yeah, uh, same answer as Valentina uh, at the beginning. That I don't have a one person. I have many. Like I said, I have uh, some people that I I consider my mentors virtually, and well, and online. Uh, but that's because they have a uh, big channels and they have a large audience that they can talk to. But uh, the type of person I will say is uh, someone that has a growth mindset, someone that really wants to take a chance, make some, uh, make things different, uh, willing to do the right thing no matter the cost. Uh, so yeah, people that are likely to to take the chance for for the better well-being of all of us we're getting uh boring answers here uh, nobody specific or everybody in particular it's how you uh, frame it i'm not a person ever in my life that was very let's say uh, receptive for the inspiration of other people so i don't have an author that really inspires me or an actor or a business professional where I say, oh, wow, this is uh, for me really uh, my compass. But in general, I'm really inspired by passionate people that know what they want to do, put all their energy in that, whether they fail or succeed is not important because it's the passion that drives them and not the success. Uh, And uh, I can take really... Uh, yeah, almost, uh, let's say, uh, great joy in observing that and, and trying not to replicate it, but get my own energy out of that. So that's one uh, category of people that really inspire me. And the other one is the upcoming generation. If I see how uh, my own children, uh, teenagers now, but also uh, many people around them of that whole age group, let's say somewhere between 12 and 20, how they are dealing with the challenges of life, how they are uh, innovative in their own way, uh, how they deal with the challenges, and sometimes struggle and fall and, and, and fail uh, and, and try to move on. I think that is very inspirational to see, even if there's sometimes a pain in the ass and uh, to handle as your own children or people around it. But in general, that uh, that, that upcoming generation is is uh, a blessing to look at and to learn from as well. I think as uh, a slightly older part in the in the conversation here. And the final question to each of you: We're going to start with you, Daniel. It's really simple. It's not even a question. It's tell me something good. So tell me something good. Believe in things that you want to be doing in twenty years and try to go. Uh, go backwards and, and figure out what can you today when what can you do today to make that happen that will certainly make you feel inspired i'm not as inspiring as daniel today i'm more thinking about reach out and ask for help for five people that are going to ignore them there's going to be another 10 which are just going to be willing to help people want to help if you give them the chance so just ask and 
you know, the rejection is not personal. The ghosting is not personal for every ghosting you get, which is anyway not meant towards you because you don't know these people. You're going to get another 10, 15, even maybe just two people are going to be there and help you. And you never know you're going to get great deep relationship from people that were previously strangers. Happened to me. Always believe in yourself and never leave an opportunity untouched. Thank you, Valentina, Daniel, and Yaron for sharing your good with us today. Visit project100.com for more information on how you can find your purpose and move forward. Does that sound good? Next time on World Gone Good. I stopped looking at the future and started thinking, what did I not do? Like, how was my life going? Can I die now and be okay with it? What's good about cancer? Yep, I said it. You cringed. It's happening. My sweet and funny and incredibly present in-the-moment friend Crystal Carson joins me to talk about her own life journey. So uh, what happens when you get diagnosed? How do you find the good in something so not good? I know you are thinking right now, okay, Steve, you've lost it, but trust me, This conversation will leave you inspired, uplifted, and may even remind you to go get a mammogram or tell someone you love to go get a mammogram. It's our show before Thanksgiving, and I am truly thankful for Crystal and to her for sharing her good. And I think you will be too. Until then, be good.